Yeah, I'm definitely digging the little Justin Timberlake injection there. Justin Timberlake is a beast. And that was DJ Scluto making another appearance onto the show. And DJ Scluto is a beast. He's a Carolina kid. He's based out of Charleston, South Carolina. And his music right now, what he's producing and throwing up on SoundCloud, is just good for the soul. So get on over to SoundCloud. Search Scluto, S-C-L-U-E. TTO, listen to his jams. He's got some sets that will blow your mind, man. Well played, DJ Scluto. Thanks for that. We're at a milestone, guys. This is episode number 20. We are 20 episodes in, 20 weeks in a row. If I think back to June the 8th when I debuted this podcast, I can remember so much fear associated with hitting the share button and worrying about what everyone was going to think. And by everyone, I mean like my family and friends, the five, six, seven, eight people maybe that tuned into the very first episode. But we're growing strong now, and you guys are so awesome for tuning in every week. And this week, I'm excited to bring you Megan O'Leary. Now, who is Megan O'Leary? Megan O'Leary was a two-sport athlete at the University of Virginia. She played varsity volleyball and softball. Not only that, she was a five-time all-academic ACC selection. Before that, she was selected as the High School Heisman, the national award in 2002, basically the best female athlete in the country. So she's no stranger to competitive athletics, but she continued after college on a road with ESPN in production and programming. But while she was there, she had an itch. That itch needed to be scratched. And in 2010, she Googled rowing. And by 2016, she was in the Rio Olympic Games. What a story it is. It's creating space embodied. So let's get on over. Let's check Megan O'Leary and see what this incredible story is all about. Megan O'Leary, what is happening? How's it going? Happy hey, to be here. Yeah, no, welcome to Creating Space. We're exceptionally excited to have you here because you are creating space embodied. Your story is fantastic. I mean, back in 2010, you had five years into ESPN in production and programming. Is that right? Yeah, I was uh, I was working for ESPN at the time. Um, it actually, I'd only been working for them for a couple years, and I stayed with them a little bit longer as I pursued the the rowing dream. Um, but was just yeah, I was plugging away. I was in Bristol, Connecticut, and um, thought you know I'm in New England, and rowing is is popular here, and I wanted to try something new. And I literally Googled the sport and found a local you know club, signed up for some learn to row sessions, and I mean you know cliche, but the rest is history. Uh, so myself it's, in. it's not like you're just an average Joe who decided you wanted to leisurely begin <laughs> rowing. You were a two-sport athlete at the University of Virginia, right? You were softball and volleyball. Is that correct? Right. Yep. Played and, volleyball and softball. So a savage athlete. And before that, um, you were uh, the national selection for the high school Heisman in 2002. What is that like getting that award, the Heisman Trophy? Yeah, this is a it's a really neat award. Obviously everyone knows about the College Heisman Trophy, you know, for 
you know, the, the top, you know, college football's finest. Um, the high school Heisman is a, an award given in conjunction with that. And it, it recognizes a male and female winner, um, sort of a combination of, you know, it's not football, obviously it's a combination of athletics, citizenship, so service, community service, uh, and then academics. Um, it was really, you know, it was a huge honor and it's neat cause they bring us back every year and we're kind of a part of this family and get to, you know, participate in the Heisman weekend every year in New York city in December. So it's, it's really neat to be a part of that. So we need to lobby to get you on those high school Heisman like fraternity commercials that they have uh, during, during game day. You need to be a part of that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that would be incredible to have you on there. Uh, and what an incredible honor. But not only that, I'm, you know, it keeps going. You were a five-time all-academic ACC selection while at Virginia. So not only were you crushing two sports, which is – you know, more than 40 hours a week of your time, uh, physically and mentally, but you were also very focused on your schoolwork. How have you been so good at time management? Yeah. Um, it's funny. I mean, I've always, I've always liked doing a lot of stuff. I've liked filling up my days. I've always had a lot of interests, a lot of passions. Um, and it's always been important to me to do very well in those things. And so in choosing to, to go to the University of Virginia, um, you know, it's a, it's a great academic institution as well. And that was really important to me. Um, and I'm actually, the reason I went, I'm a Jefferson scholar. So that's like a, a separate scholarship program, but I happen to also, you know, it coordinated to be able to pursue my athletic dream of, of playing collegiate sports. So school was very important to me. Um, and then excelling on the field was obviously super important to me. So it's just, yeah, it's about balance. It's about prioritization and making sure that you stick to that uh, and not get too distracted and, and hold true to, to why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, it's incredible. What a resume, even before you Googled rowing. But my first question of the Creating Space interview is this, Megan. Are you an alien? <laughs> <laughs> I would be sharing secrets if I gave that away, right? <laughs> Which planet did you come from and how do I get there? Uh, no, but in all honesty, it's incredible. So I want to get to that Let's start. Let's get straight to the meat and the bones of it, because I feel this interview is creating space, literally. So you are sitting at ESPN. Your college athletics have ended. You're at ESPN, full-time job. You're, you're probably doing things on the side to stay fit. And you begin to get the itch again, I can only assume, that, you're, that you want to compete. You need a competitive outlet. Is that, is that kind of where this all began? Yeah, I think that is, you know, I, I was, you know, I was involved in kind of, you know, like pick up basketball and I was in like a softball league. And so I was doing kind of the fun, like recreational stuff and probably taking it a little too seriously at times. <laughs> so um, I do, I think there was just this like inner you know, desire to, um, to just go after something full throttle. And for whatever reason, it was, it was to go after something brand new um, and to just put myself outside my comfort zone. Uh, and do something that was just completely foreign to me. Um, and I, yeah, when I was in college, I, I had been actually approached by the, the women's rowing coach at UVA and he, at one point and he said, you know, you really should row, like you're built for it. I can see you have the work ethic. Like, just think about it. You know, I'm a girl from Louisiana. Like it's just rowing isn't a, much of a thing down there. And so I just didn't, you know, I was like, uh, yeah, I'm busy. Thanks. Cool. <laughs> but I think it planted the seed. And so when the opportunity came up later, I was like, you know, I've been kind of messing around on the rowing machine, you know, getting into a little bit of CrossFit and I'm pulling decent numbers. Like, let's do this for the real thing. So just went after it. So you Googled rowing and that was in 2010. And 
you, what happened from there? Did you get out and, and get directly into the water and get on, get into the rowing scene in New England? I mean, yeah, yeah. So I show up, I'm like the youngest one at this, like learn to row these morning sessions. It's mostly like people that are just kind of doing this for fun. And the coach approaches me and he's like, who are you? <laughs> kind of. Um, and I just, you know, I got into it. I fell in love with it and then was lucky enough to have some people around me also say, Hey, like you're young enough. If you're, if you're serious about this and really want to, cause I started asking questions. I was like, how do you, like, how do you compete at a high level? You know, there's all these, it's a brand new sport, um, to me. So I don't understand the, like the structure of competing. And, uh, luckily had some people around me that sort of opened the, the doors and, it, you know, gave me avenues to pursue this at a high level. I bought a boat having never been in a single before and was just like, well, I got to have a racing boat. So I got to get that, which is like the cost of a car. Um, and just that next summer, you know, did what I could during that fall, uh, showed up at a national team identification camp. They kind of hold those throughout the fall and winter. And all of those are college kids that show up to that. And here I am, I'm like 25, 26 years old. So I'm the oldest by far, but just to get my name out there. So I just did everything I could to learn about the sport and to learn how to put myself in the best position in the sport. Well, your interest in the sport is massively important to um, the the process, right? But how important is it at that point where you're just beginning this and you you have these friends or these mentors or these individuals involved in the sport who see something in you and they, they're able to give you direction or give you confidence to say, hey, keep going. You've got something here. How valuable were they at that moment? I mean, it was so valuable to be, I, I don't think I would be, you know, I wouldn't have gotten to where I am today without being put in front of the right people. I mean, it takes a village. It, it takes, no one gets anywhere on their own as much as they want to say like, oh, I've worked, you know, so hard. It does take hard work, but there are, there are several people along anyone's path to, to greatness or to achieving a goal, whatever it is. And I was so lucky to be introduced to, you know, I found a training partner that really, he taught me how to train and, and how to kind of like navigate figuring out how to get the most out of my body and then figured out how to go, go compete in races and take care of myself. And I mean, there was so much, I, I literally felt like a kid learning how to walk again in, in some respect, because it was all just, it was something I'd never done before and had no familiar model to compare to. So having people coach me or just encourage me and, and give me, you know, just give me their insight and advice was so valuable to me. How long after that point that you began, did you realize I'm onto something here? And it's going to start taking more and more of my time. And I've really got to devote myself to this if I want to get to where my vision and my dream requires. You know, it really didn't take that long. I, uh, I knew right away that I loved it and that, you know, for me, when I find something I'm passionate about, I got, you know, I just got to do it and I got to yeah. do it at the highest level. Um, there was a moment in, you know, I mentioned the, the identification camp just a bit ago, and this was October October, November, um, just a, you know, a few short months after I just f first started learning how to row, um, that I told myself if I make the cut out of this identification camp, it was like a huge group of you know fifty uh, women that showed up, and they made a cut into two boats of eight, so down to sixteen athletes that got to kind of showcase themselves in front of the national team coaches out of you know these testing. And I said if I make that cut, I'm doing this absolutely. Like I have what it takes, and I made the cut, and you know that sort of it 
it proved it proved to myself that I could do this and I had what it, it takes. And and so that was sort of the launch point. I was like, all right, let's do this. Let's go. Ah, the launch point. That sounds good. I've got a, I've got this little phrase that I say, let's go. And it's, yeah. it's, it's me when I'm in my moment and I just am connected and I'm so excited, whether that be training in the moment or getting on a podcast with Megan O'Leary or whatever. It's, it's just that phrase that, that is that trigger word that gets me into that mindset, right? So my next question to you is, how was it uh, for you being at ESPN, knowing that your heart was in rowing, but your mind and your body was at ESPN? That was a real struggle. And again, I, you know, I was so lucky to have some people around me um, just help me through that kind of that. That was a challenge. It was because uh, it was important to me, my work. Just like you know, we're talking about school, like classes and, and athletics. Like you have to balance. And so my work was really important to me. It was it was one dream of mine to be working at ESPN, but to kind of stumble across this is entirely different you know, new dream that seemed to hold a lot more power in this, you know, in this moment than, than my current one was sort of, it was, it was definitely a, a push pull and something that, um, I really had, it took me a while to, to sort of, uh, navigate how I felt and what I was going to do about that. And I, I reached out and talked to some friends and, and had, you know, just people in my life that really, really listened to me and gave me advice and, and, fortunately nudged me along in the right direction. So what were you dealing with at that time? What, what fears yeah. were, were, were really true in those moments? I mean, that's true. It was, it was a fear, right? So that it was a huge risk. I was giving up the, you know, I, I, gotten this great job right out of college. I'm on a, a solid career path. And if I wanted to, you know, I was doing well at ESPN. If I wanted to, I could sort of ascend the ladder, um, and then be facing sort of, but you know, that sounds really great. And I should be, that should be what I want to do. Like anyone would think I was crazy to walk away from that. But here I am wanting to go jump in a boat every afternoon, every morning and spend my time, you know, <laughs> playing on the water and, and training and pursuing this insane dream of going to the Olympics in a sport I'd never even done until, you know, a few months ago. Um, so it was, it was the, it was the big, it was the big cliff jump, right? It's, it's jumping off the ledge and, and just having faith in yourself that you can accomplish what you truly want to, um, and kind of putting, putting else aside that what you should do or what you think you should do or what people think you should do and, and truly listening to your heart. And I think that's such a hard thing to do. Um, and I learned a lot about myself in that process. That's a very tough thing to do. You know, you're, you're standing at the ledge of a cliff and you're looking over the cliff and it, if I jump, will this parachute open or will I plummet to, you know, this uncertainty? So what were some pieces of advice that people gave you in that moment that gave you the courage to go all in on yourself? You know, it was, it was one of those things too, especially I guess in a, in a sport pursuit, but any pursuit is just, if not now, when? And I definitely was faced with that like sort of timeline of well, what am I waiting for? This is something I want to do and it's not going to go away. Um, and so I, you know, people just sort of asking me that blunt question of like, what are you waiting for? Like, what is, and so it, it, it did, it took that sort of understanding of like, well, I mean, there's no other time better than now and I got to do this and it, it's going to take some, you know, balls and belief in myself, and, but I got to do it. And that's what it just sort of, ah, man, it wasn't one thing or the next. It was just people definitely, I was so lucky to have that support, but also people challenging me saying like, stop doubting yourself and just get after it because you're, you're going to regret this. If you don't, pursue it. And you're at that point where 
if you don't at least go down this path and see if it's worth it, like you're going to regret not having given it a shot. As an athlete, when anyone challenges you, it's the best way to motivate you to make a decision. Absolutely. Isn't it? I, I cannot Absolutely. stand to be challenged, but I need a challenge in order to, I, I need an antagonist in every aspect of my life, I've realized. Right. Yeah. So, so you're at that point and it only took you a year to get to the U.S. rowing national team. At that point, were you looking, you know, obviously you've got the career with ESPN, but did that pivot at that point mean you had no financial backing on the other side or was there a little bit of comfort that you knew that U.S. rowing would kind of take care of at least uh, a part of your life? Yeah. So I moved, I mean, it's interesting because rowing, you don't make a lot of money. You don't go into it for the money right, for sure. Right. Um, so I moved to the training center. I got the invite in the fall of 2011 and I, I got the invite sitting down with the coach. And he's like, you know, when, when can you be here? I was like, well, when do you need me here? He's like tomorrow. I was like, okay, I need three weeks. Cause I'm still working for ESPN at this time. Yeah. So I went back, I talked to them, um, figured out a way to stay on and work part-time remotely. They created a position, uh, which again, so lucky to be given that opportunity because I knew that while I needed to move to the training center, I still wasn't in that, like a position of financially, you know, I hadn't made a team yet. I wasn't, it's sort of a, you know, it's a tier based. You have to make some teams and, and to be getting the financial support you need. And so I knew that I sort of had to find, continue this balance, but shift the prioritization and a lot more was going to go into rowing. Obviously I was moving, changing, you know, locations, but I found a way to hold on to a support system. Um, but again, it was great, but on the other side, it's still, it, kept me connected to that other world. So there was still that, that little bit of doubt. There was still that little bit of yeah, question. Yeah. And the safety line was still there. You know, I was sort of rappelling down the cliff, but I still had a, a rope on type thing. <laughs> right. Uh, and in that moment, you, I can imagine, were getting, the momentum was building, building and rowing. Um, and, and what was that moment like when you had to walk into ESPN to your boss uh, to your superior and say, you know, thanks, but no thanks. I'm, I'm pursuing this dream, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, did you burn a bridge? Did you make some people upset? Or were they totally understanding there at ESPN? They were, they were very understanding. And I think because of the process, like it, it sort of, it was a. It wasn't a cut and dry. Just one day I'm in, one day I'm out. It was a process of. Um, they knew that this was something I was doing. They knew that I was. You know, and I was keeping them very updated, communicating my success and sharing with that, so that they understood that this was something serious and not just. You know, I wasn't just kind of going off and and pursuing like a very whimsical thing. Like I'd actually had made real progress. And um, so they were very supportive. I mean, ESPN, you know, it's, a, it's sports is what they do. And so it, the fact that it was an athletic pursuit, I think, helped me. But they were so supportive of it and understood, you know, that, that this was something important. And I was lucky enough to have a, you know, a good team around me that, that kind of enabled me and supported me in that way. Um, I mean, going in and finally, I think it was like in an email or text, actually, uh, with my boss. And I kind of just said, it's time. And he knew, but he knew it was coming because I like, sure, he just knew. Um, but it was really hard. It was really difficult to get there. Were you dealing with any anxiousness or, or anxiety or panic over making yeah, the decision? Absolutely. I had a, I had one of my good friends works in HR and I had several conversations with her just talking through it. Like, just like I, I remember bawling, just crying in her office one day, knowing that I had to do this, but it was so scary to sort of, yeah, close the door on such an unbelievable opportunity. And, and like I said before, like a dream that I was living, um, and to say, no, I can't do that right now. And to pursue something that it's, there's no promise there. It's a huge risk, but I just have to go do it. Um, so it was terrifying. And I did, there was a lot of anxiety, a lot of, you know, restlessness and angst and, but 
you just you gotta fight through that. It's one of the things, right? You just gotta fight through it to get to the to get to the other side. You've always been a fighter. But yeah. here's a question. Here's a question, right? For those individuals, including myself, listening, wanting to know this question. If you could do it all over again, would you have jumped sooner? Well, that's a great question. It's funny because I actually, when I got that invite to the training center, I didn't, I was expecting it a year later. Um, everything was a year faster than I'd expected. And so I, I, I guess I'd say no, because I really wasn't presented with that opportunity to jump quite yet. Um, I just, you know, I didn't know how, how, how far along the path I was until I knew. And then as soon as I knew, I was like, well, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't a matter. I mean, maybe I wish I would have picked up rowing earlier, like listen to the coach in college, right. <laughs> you know, but, um, but Hey, things, things just happen. And as long as you keep your eyes open, you're going to, you're, you know, you'll see them and you'll go after them. No, at I love the right it. Time. it that, it's such a good story. It's such a feel good story. Adam Markle wrote the book pivot and he talks about two different types of pivot. There's a partial pivot and a full pivot, right? And you, um, had the partial pivot where you started something on the side and then the side business kind of grew until it over overcame or took over the the regular job you know and he talks about right. the comparing and contract contrasting of both would you recommend a partial pivot or would you recommend a full pivot when someone knows what they want and immediately just want to jump ship and pursue that dream oh man that is that is a great that's a great question um and I like I feel like I was really smart about how I went about it in terms of, you know, maintaining a support or a connection to this other thing that I was doing while making, you know, making sure a little bit that this, this other thing was going to take hold. Um, but I think I was given a unique opportunity in that. And I don't think, you know, I think if I was somewhere else, I may have had to, just like you said, make the, the jump earlier, make sure. the full pivot. And given that situation, I would have made the full pivot. I mean, it's paid off for me. And I've just, even if I hadn't gone to the Olympics, I, the, the pursuit and the journey was so worth it. Um, but I do think it's a little situational. Uh, unfortunately I can't give you a straight answer. Yeah. I think that, you know, it, it does it, but it, there are situations that the, the half, you know, the half pivot or the full pivot apply. Um, but you, you know, you got to kind of like balance the risk, balance the benefit, but everything in life is subjective and situational, yeah. isn't it? So let, let's pivot, let's pivot this direction. All right. So now you've made the jump. Um, and you're, you're walking down, I can, I can see it now, right? You're, you're walking down the, the, the side of the, the lake or, or the ocean sun's on your face. You've got two oars in your hand. You've made the pool pivot. How did that change your training habits after that weight was off your shoulders? It literally, it was it was a, it was a 180. I mean, my performance improved so dramatically. Even the, the national team coach was like, what are you, know, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I quit my job. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just, you know, it was, there's, there's stress. And I was carrying, you know, even though I was working part-time, it was still like 30, 30 hours a week. And there's just stress in that. And there was stress in still holding on to both worlds a little bit. And I think once I finally made that leap, I was able just to open up completely to this, 
amazing opportunity that I, I had, you know, been given and, and chased after. And I could, I could take it. I didn't realize it beforehand, but once I gave myself that, um, you know, just that space to, to, to use your phrase actually, but that space to take it all in the increase in performance was, was so dramatic and so incredible. I mean, I made the team that year and that was, I mean, that was the goal, but, um, I, you know, not sure if I would have or not, had I not, taken that full leap and and allowed myself to to really open up to it it was it was an it was an incredible change and in, yeah my body my training everything all right so you've trained you've gotten to this point now where you've shifted you're focused you're i can imagine you're really inspired to do well because this is all new to you and you've got all the time in the world to devote to it right you're in your competitions now with the with the national rowing team right and the doubles uh, your partner is ellen tomek you're walking across and you're looking at these individuals who have been in rowing their entire life. And you really are just a baby in, in the sport when it comes to years and experience. What was it like looking across um, the water at the competition and knowing that they've been there so many more times? Were you nervous? Were you scared? How did you feel? Yeah, I mean, it, it was, I remember our first World Cup, Ellen, and our first World Cup was Lucerne, Switzerland, and, you know, we're lining up against these Olympic medalists, world champions, like, uh, one of the women in the double at the time, Katarina Karsten from Belarus, is literally the most decorated rower in history, and she was in the women's double. Um, and it was it was humbling, and it was, but it was also just sort of that feeling of like, oh my gosh, like, I'm here, like, I wanted to get to the the stage of the the hot, you know the the elite the best of the best and and here I am and it was a feeling of like I'm not worthy of this a little mm. bit but it was also a feeling of like let's just see what can happen <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's do this <laughs> I love it I remember March nineteenth two thousand eleven was my MLS debut it was at Empire Stadium in British Columbia in Vancouver we were playing Toronto FC and I was I was coming on as a sub that game and I can remember subbing on. And I remember instantaneously as I was running onto the field, there were 27, 30,000 people screaming. And I can remember thinking, holy shit, what am I doing here? I dreamed this my whole life, but what am I doing here? Like, do I deserve this? Um, I, I can remember that exact same feeling. So at what point, how many competitions in did you get settled in and you're thinking, all right, I'm here. I deserve to be here. And any of these individuals that I'm competing against are going to know that, that my name and that I'm worthy of it. It, you know, I think it wasn't until because we actually won a medal at that World Cup. We got a bronze medal. It was great. Wow. Um, there were two moments. The next year, we had this unbelievable performance at one of the World Cups, got a silver medal. Um, but really, this year, like I've sat in the boat and I've said to myself, like, I'm a good rower. I know what I'm doing. I can take anyone on. Um, and it, it's interesting how that develops. And I don't know if it was just, it, I don't know if it was self doubt or just self scrutiny. And I just didn't, you know, it didn't feel like I had the chops quite yet. Like I was obviously doing well, making teams, we were winning medals, but it, that sort of confidence, especially in a sport, you know, rowing is, you know, the, the greats are usually, they've been in it for a very long time. And here I come along and I'm like, yeah, I've been doing this for like a year or two. <laughs> and so I think just the dialogue too around me was like, well, I, I, I'm not worthy because I haven't been doing this as long. The Finally, um, I think I, I got over that. That was one thing. It was interesting. My partner would really push me on. She's like, dude, you're good. Like, 
get over it <laughs> type right, thing. Right. Um, and so it did, it took a little bit of, again, like pushing myself to get past that mental barrier a little bit. Um, because even though I was confident, I still was, I still wasn't allowing myself to, to fully embrace, um, that, you know, that confidence and, and what goes along with that in terms of a performance level and, and just approach to your, to your sport. Well, anytime we elevate our physical level of prowess, our mental level of prowess has to elevate as well, right? And so there's always going to be blocks either on the physical side or the mental side to create the balance, right? And the flow or peak performance state. So what was it about yours and Ellen, your partner's dynamic that really was symbiotic where, you know, she obviously helped you on the mental side. What were some things maybe that you were able to give her in return? Yeah, I think it, interestingly enough, she almost retired after 2012. She'd been injured and just just missed the. She was the last athlete cut. She was gonna. She was gonna stop. She wasn't gonna come back. And um, we got in the boat together. Had a, like had a lot of fun. Liked how it was going. And I think my my energy and passion for for the sport for what we were doing was. Um, she she said it really helped her learn to love the sport again and want to keep going. And so, you know, here we have kind of this, I mean, we're the same age, but I'm like this rookie energetic, like crazy, you know, a little crazy, little, little, little like out, not out of control, but just kind of, you know, like I got, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit and she's, she's definitely the veteran, a little calmer, you know, has been through the, you know, through the ringer a few times. And so there was this, this, this wisdom, but then that she was, she could pass on to me, but then I was, I think I was giving her, um, sort of like remembering why she's doing this and a love for it and the passion for what we're doing every day. And so it made a really great partnership on the mental emotional side in that, you know, in that way. Passion and energy is uh, empowering, is it not? It's infectious. No, I mean, you absolutely need it. Like, and it is, yeah, it's infectious. You need it for anything you're going to do at a high level. So for the individuals listening, what would you say if they're not happy about their life and the situation that they've gotten themselves into and they've lost their passion and their energy for whatever their circumstances are? Yeah, I was struggling and I couldn't quite figure out why I was unhappy because um, to everyone else and on paper, I, I should have been so happy. Uh, and it was just this restlessness. And I think, you know, the best advice is to, to, to recognize it and not just put it off um, and to, to, to explore, figure out why that is, like what it is that, that is, is nagging at you and find, find something that, that will open, like open your heart, open your mind and, and fulfill whatever it is that, that is causing you kind of that unrest. Um, you know, for me, like, I, of course it was rowing, but I think it was more the pursuit and the, the journey that rowing, uh, gave me. I learned so much about myself. I challenged myself in ways that I'd never thought I, I would. Um, and I think that that's a lot of times people either feel, you know, not stagnant, but, um, just unchallenged. So figure out a way to challenge yourself and grow in that. I love it. And, and all of the habits that you created to continue to challenge yourself, put you in the 2016 Rio Olympic games, right? You're in Rio, but there is an elephant in the room, right? The water that you're competing in potentially has Zika virus. And that's huge. That was international news that could potentially cost you your life. What was it like to now way your Olympic dream and the thing that you've really worked so hard for and dedicated yourself for so long to, to your life. Um, walk me through that process. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was interesting because we got that question a lot leading up, up to the games. Like, have you, do, you know, are you considering not going like this is dangerous? And, 
it was never a question, uh, if I was going to go or not go. Um, and you know, we were rowers, we were in the water, the water contamination level reports were, you know, it's the, the, it was terrible. And obviously the Zika throwing on a layer and that. And so there was, there was a lot of risk, um, outside of just the, the difficulty of, of competing at the Olympic games. Right. Um, but you just ha- eye on the prize, right? I mean, we were going to, this is what I'd worked so hard for. This was my dream. Um, and, you know, just kind of had to look past that and say, you know what, I can't control everything, but I'm going to control what I can control, protect myself as best as I can. And, and just, this is, you know, in my mind, this is worth it. This was what I set out to do and I'm going to do it. Could you sniff out any weakness in any of your competition and individuals who maybe were focused a little bit on the water and maybe lost a little focus on the competition? Could you see it? Could you smell it? I don't think so. Rowers are a tough breed, man. Like we, you know, we, I, I think everyone was there and we'd, we'd been in different bodies of water and it was just like, you know, this is fine. Especially once we got there. I mean, there was extra steps we took to, to protect ourselves, but everyone was doing it. So it was sort of this, you know, collective like shared experience of like, yeah, like we got to do some things that we're not used to, but everyone's doing it. So it's all good. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, everyone's just showing up. You got a job to do. do Tell me this. So the, the competition level was cool. What was it like being in the Olympic Village and having the Olympic experience, walking out into the stadium during the uh, those it, it, those moments? Was that as surreal as it looks on TV? Absolutely. Um, you know, rowers don't get to walk in opening ceremonies, but we get to stick around for closing. And I was just... I was overwhelmed with emotion <laughs> during closing ceremonies because you just, you know, I, I, I came to sort of uh, understand the Olympics as, as two ex- experiences. One is the athlete, your competition, whether it's, it's you have a, the perfect um, experience and win a medal or maybe you don't. You know, I wasn't happy with our final, but we had an unbelievable uh, go. Like we did some really great things, but you can't, you can't let whatever it is, good or bad, tarnish the entire Olympic experience. And that's what I sort of came to sitting there. I was like, wow, like this is, this is the dream. This is the dream come true. This was, I wanted to get here and I did. And just sort of had that moment as the, you know, there's like the dancing and music and really, you know, neat stuff happening at closing ceremonies. I just allowed myself to fully take that in and to recognize, um, while this is the end result, like it was just, it was an incredible, you know, for me six years to get there. And and the person I've become and sitting here today is, is I'm so proud of that. it's such a monumental moment. Uh, and I, and I really want to, you know, be empathetic to your time. And I, and I know that you've got a lot of things going on in your schedule as an Olympian. It's so cool. A couple of questions before you take off. First question is what is the one habit that attributed to your success to become an Olympian uh, that you do every day? I have this saying that I tell myself and it's that every day counts. Um, and it's a, that's, it's not exactly a habit, but it is a, it's a thought that I have every day. And then I make sure that I, whatever I do in that day, that it is counting towards something, counting toward self-improvement, counting toward my goal, counting toward being a better person. Um, I mean, and that, it, it takes a while to create that mindset, but if you, if that mindset can become a habit, like, oh man, the possibilities are endless. They're endless. Uh, at the same token, what's one habit that you did have that you're so glad that you dropped uh, in that process of learning yourself through your Olympic pursuit? You know, I, I think I used to hold myself back a little bit. Um, I, obviously, like I, I pursue things, but there, there used to be that part of me that maybe it was self-doubt, maybe it was a little bit of lack of, of self-belief. Um, and looking back, I feel like I've erased that. And now it's you know, I, I have a 
I have a challenge. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna figure out how to get that done. Um, so it's an incredible, it's an incredible feeling to, to have that and just to feel, uh, that uh, I'm, you know, I can do anything. I'll make it happen. <laughs> Megan, your story is incredible in walking away from ESPN. You created space for the Olympic version of yourself. One piece of advice as we close out the show that you would give to someone looking to create space for a better version of themselves in their life. One piece of advice would be what? Man, do it. Just do it. Whatever it is. Um, I think that, it, and again, it's so cliche, but I am so thankful that I listened to the people that said, um, don't, you know, don't listen to yourself right now. So I think it's, you know, surround yourself with good people, but then challenge yourself. And if you're doubting yourself, ask yourself why, and then just blow through that. And so it's, yeah, I think that, um, just dream big and then go after it because it can be done. Megan, kudos to you. You're an inspiring individual. You've got tons of energy and passion. This, this interview has been fantastic. Um, I know you got speaking engagements. You've got to head on out and, and crush the rest of your day. I'm so appreciative that you came on to share a little bit of time with us and your experience uh, on creating space. And I would love to continue to follow you and check you out and see you hopefully in the next Summer Olympics. Is that, I would assume that's the goal? That might be on the docket. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Let's do that. All the best to you, Megan. Have a great rest of your day and uh, continue to keep creating space for the best version of yourself. Thanks, Wes. This was a blast. Wow. What a story from Megan O'Leary. How does it get much better than that? How can you not feel like whatever it is that you decide that you want to do in your life, the first thing you must do is just add a little twang of self-belief. I really want to help inspire you guys and motivate you guys by bringing you these stories of these people who just decided to make the decision to go, to chase, to passionately pursue what it is that they decide that they wanted, what they wanted to make of their experience in life. And Megan O'Leary, when I heard her story, I thought by any means necessary, I got to bring her onto the show. I've got to give her the opportunity to talk about what it was like to go through some of the roadblocks that may have come up in this incredible journey. I mean, how many things in our lives have we been interested in and then we Googled them and once we read about them, we convinced ourselves that it wasn't possible? I mean, that pertains to a number of amount of things, to building a business, starting a company, learning how to disc golf or play basketball or build a campfire. I mean, it's a number of things and we tend to be so addicted to creating this mental barrier, this block, this belief system that we cannot achieve it or that it will be too hard or that we may fail or that we'll be made fun of or that at the end of the day, we're just not good enough. And this is a belief system that we need to recognize, honor, and then smash right through. Because in this journey of life, the more we attack our fear And the more we break down those barriers, the easier these barriers become in the future. And if it's any confidence builder from Megan's story, Megan chased it. She went after it. She didn't believe in anything else other than herself. And if you look at her track record, it's a track record for success. Now, 
we're all not Megan O'Leary's. We're all not aliens from a different planet, right? Someone highly, highly athletically gifted, but we all have our own talents. And what Megan is talking about is identify your talent, your personal gift, and then add that recipe of self-belief. And with those two, two things combined, if you can become numb to failure and recognize failure as just a learning tool to be able to guide you towards success, mm, then you become unstoppable. What a story. What a great story. Hey, guys, the hike is coming up. Happens next week. I fly out next Wednesday, headed to Chattanooga to be a representative of Lululemon and creating space in that awesome experience in the mountains of Chattanooga. I'm going to have a content strategy put together for what exactly is going on so I can document what's happening, try to bring it back to you guys so you can follow along in the journey and see what is happening within the hike out in Chattanooga with Lululemon. Thanks for your support. Continue to pass this message along. It it literally shifts my day in such a positive direction. When I see the shares, I see the comments, I see the tags of your friends that you're inviting into the show, into our community. This is our community of like-minded individuals who want to push for their own personal greatness, who want to create space for what it is they truly want their lives to be about. So continue to invite people in that are like-minded. Let's build this community. Let's support each other and let's keep passionately pursuing the best versions of ourselves. Share this, comment on this, rate and review it on iTunes. The bigger we build it, the more of an impact we can make. Have a great day, guys. Mindset Monday coming around the corner. I'll see you guys on Monday. DJ Scluto, let's go, my brother. 